Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Welcome to Cracking One Open with Mike. And Louise. Was I supposed to do an English accent? No, ma'am. You didn't need to. On this fantastic special episode, we're going to take a look at a fantastic special beer. You don't know that. I don't know that. Well, I know the type of beer. We're hopeful. Yeah, whatever. It's not even a British beer. <laughs> but you better overlay some masterpiece theater on that ish. <laughs> I'm sure I can find that. So, baby. Yes. How's your week been? Uh, well, it's only Tuesday, so I mean, tomorrow's inauguration day. So, woo. Yeah, my week's don't as work like that. As long as our <laughs> country doesn't crumble, we're a non-political beer podcast. <laughs> I consider my week on like a starts on like a Friday. I'm already oh. almost done with my week. Yeah, but you have a weird work week. I do. No, my week's been fine. Thanks for asking. I didn't even finish my my answer. So like you finished fine. your answer at pff, ain't even been a week. So it's been a week since this podcast. Maybe I'm measuring it in podcast time. Pod time. Pod time. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. What are we drinking? <laughs> uh, this week we are back in New England, but we are still talking about German style beers. Ooh. Uh, so or this- as they say in German. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, big cultural divide there. <laughs> uh, we're cracking open Handline Kolsch, a Kolsch-style ale from Devil's Purse Brewing Company, which is located in South Dennis, Massachusetts. So the brewery is right on Cape Cod. Uh, in fact, co-founder Michael Seegerson grew up in Connecticut, but he has very fond early memories of his family spending time every summer in Cape Cod. And along the shoreline is where Seegerson discovered his first devil's purse. And for those of you who don't know, I had to look it up myself. Uh, a devil's purse refers to the egg sack of some sharks and skates. It looks like this little pouch that is, it's usually attached to a plant or another object in the water. But once that egg is hatched, the sack just kind of washes ashore. 
you never collected devil's purses when you were a kid at all? No. Or ever seen them? You never took like a science class trip up to the beach? And- I've never seen one at like Silver Sands or Walnut Beach or anything close to us. They're there. Yeah? Yeah. Man, I feel bad for you in your sheltered school life Aww. when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, we used to, we had a field trip. We'd go over and we got all this crap from the beach and it was like, hey, what's this? What's this? Mm-hmm. And they would show us like, this is the devil's purse. This is what it is. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It was for me. so anyway (laughs) sad childhood aside (laughs) (laughs) that's what you drink (laughs) fast forward to December of 2010 when Michael was homebrewing as a hobby he wanted to give his homebrews away as Christmas gifts and wanted wanted a nautical themed name hence Devil's Purse The funny thing is, at this point in time, Michael was actually pursuing a career in the wine world and studying for a a master of wine certification. Ooh. But when word spread about the quality of his homebrews, demand began to grow and Michael was inspired to change course and take advantage of the fact that there was really only one craft brewery on Cape Cod at that time. So by 2011... Michael and his old friend, Matt Belson, who would become the other co-founder of Devil's Purse, they were already planning and kind of laying the groundwork for the brewery. They traveled to Colorado, Oregon, Florida, Germany, and all across New England to meet with brewers and pick their brains. They went to conferences, scouted sites, and when they weren't taking care of all, all that fun like business and legal stuff, they were constantly brewing. It wasn't until 2013, though, that they felt ready to take the plunge and establish themselves as Devil's Purse, even though this is still two years before their official opening in May of 2015. They spent the interim getting the brewery ready for operation and figuring out what their core styles of beer would be. Almost everything they do has a nautically inspired name, which I can definitely appreciate as we are both beach babies. They've got Skate Mouth Pale Ale, Pollock Rip IPA. Handline Kolsch, which is what we were talking about today. And I guess handline is a fishing technique. As a beach baby, you should know this. I'm a buoy. <laughs> Hold on. I'm a buoy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're a gull. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. Yeah, that would be the restroom labels in, a, in our bar. <laughs> <gasps> yep. And they also have a special holiday brew called Intertidal Oyster Stout. And it is exactly what you're thinking. (laughs) This stout uses freshly harvested oysters from local growers around Cape Cod right in the brew. From an article on The Full Pint, co-founder Michael Segerson explains, When we set out to make this stout, we envisioned using oysters in the boil, which not only captures the salinity of the oyster liquor but also extracts the calcium from the shell. And this minerality from the oyster adds a truly unique layer to the complexity of the beer. And I guess they also kind of tweak the recipe slightly in order to best complement the character of the different oysters, like from whatever grower they got that particular year. Your face is what I'm picturing in my mind. <laughs> yeah, but here's my answer right after that. You you would try, try it. it. Yep. <laughs> you know what? Next Christmas, I'll take a ride up to Cape Cod and get a bottle. <laughs> nah, I've never been to Cape Cod. I don't my first trip to beat her in the, the winter. No, definitely not. <laughs> As someone who has been there twice, you definitely need to go when it's nice out. Oh, man, that sounds really interesting, though. 
I don't know, because my favorite beer was the one that sounded the grossest to me at first. That had it's kelp true. and seawater in it. Geyser goes, and it's my favorite beer. So, yep. And this is another sea themed one. So you never know. But oysters and stout, man. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm intrigued, though. I'm intrigued. <laughs> you had my attention, and that now oyster. you have my curiosity. <laughs> So let's get back to the beer we're actually drinking tonight. This interpretation of a German style Kolsch clocks in at 5% ABV and Devil's Purse says, quote, this unfiltered rendition has pleasant aromas akin to lemon zest and fresh cut grass with a dry finish and refreshing taste, end quote. It was brewed with Vanguard hops, an American varietal and direct descendant of German Hallertau Mittelfra. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they say this allows for a refreshing modern spin on an otherwise traditional approach to the style. So I'm going to get back to Kolsch's, but first, we've got a new hop. Oh. Hold on. I need yeah. to turn my notebook to a new page to write some new notes down. <laughs> <laughs> so Vanguard hops were released to the brewing world in 1997 after 15 years of testing and development. They're grown in the U.S. and are considered great for adding a European-style aroma component to German-style beers. And again, this is because their lineage is so close to Hallertau Mittelfra. What makes Vanguard unique is its acid profile. It's a rare balance of low alpha acid, high beta acid, high humulene levels, and yet low cohumulone levels. Got my cohumulone. <laughs> you said humulene, and I was like... Uh, it's cohumulon. <laughs> no, yeah, that I was confused at first too, but they are they are two different things. What is a humulon? It is a terpene that is like most of the information that I found was more related to cannabis than hops. <laughs> it it's a terpene. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so the result of this acid balance gives Vanguard hops a pronounced woody and herbal character atop a definitive spiciness. This spiciness is especially pronounced when Vanguard is used as an early addition. It's ideal in lagers, pilsners, kolsches, Belgian-style ales, and wheats. Wheats. <laughs> All right, so a little bit more about kolsch. We've only featured one on the podcast before, but I think that you would agree that it's definitely a style that we're seeing pop up more and more around here. Really? Um, did one on the cast? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm surprised considering how many we had during the summer, yeah. Yeah. So. The Kolsch originated in Cologne, Germany, and much like champagne, a beer can only be called a Kolsch if it was brewed in Cologne or its immediate surroundings. Hence why everything we see around here is labeled Kolsch style. Uh. Yeah. So according to craftbeer.com, the Kolsch is, quote, a, quote, beer hybrid, um, but I did see on other websites that it's technically not a hybrid it's a lagered ale i guess it, people are kind of finicky about that meaning that its production and subsequent beer drinking experience saddles qualities of both lager beers and ale beers the style's fermentation process yields a light venous character um, as a side note that refers to a muted fruitiness which is accompanied by a slightly dry crisp finish Ale yeast is used for fermentation, although lager yeast is sometimes used in the bottle or for final cold conditioning process. So that's kind of the trick here. 
Ales are brewed with top fermenting yeasts, typically at warmer temperatures. Meanwhile, lagers are brewed with bottom fermenting yeasts, typically at colder temperatures. With a Kolsch, these two methods are combined and the beers exhibit some of the best characteristics of both categories. They're light, refreshing, extremely drinkable, pair well with food. Honestly, it's kind of a mystery to me why they're not more popular around here, at least in the summertime when we get that influx of pilners and lagers. Well, they're becoming more popular. Yeah, but they've been around for so long. I don't know. I don't know. I have a question. Yeast. What do you mean by bottle yeast? Yeast in the bottle. Bottle, bottle conditioned is when they, they add a little bit more sugar at the at the end and, and bottle it and it finishes fermenting in the bottle. So they actually, on the assembly line, have sugar in the bottles as they fill them? That I don't know, but we've had... The, or is the, it like that's a description and that's not what they really do, but it's close enough. I, I know it's before they close it up <laughs> and send it out. Uh, but I don't know like if there's a, a waiting period before they send it out so that it can finish fermenting. Um, hey, brewers, get at us. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering how they do that large scale if they have yeast in the bottom of yeah. their bottle. Well, and the, it's going down the assembly line out of the bottle making thing with the label mm-hmm. maker. Is there somebody on hand who has a scoop or like a little squeezer thing and squeezes some in there? I don't know. Or is it bottled yeast? Like they do small batches at a time and that's considered the quote unquote bottle. And then that goes through and that's what pours into the bottles that we get when we buy them at liquor stores and bars. It's a very good question. I'm just trying to picture how that works. Yeah. No, it's a valid question. And I would be very interested. Um, the beer that we did last week, too, was finished, finished in the bottle. I'm very interested to see what that means. If that really means finished in the bottle or if that means finished in a separate container, then, then that goes and is divided amongst a bunch of bottles. Yeah, it would seem more efficient to do it that <clears> way. But who knows? Maybe doing it individually in each bottle makes a difference. I mean, I'm sure it does. But how do you get yields that way? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm just trying to figure it all out, man. That's what the podcast is for. Man. All right. That's all I got. All right. So unfortunately, Devil's Purse did not list the specifics for their handline Kolsch. But in general, Kolsch's tend to land somewhere between three and six on the SRM scale. So they pour a very light straw color. And they usually score between 18 and 28 IBUs on that scale. So fairly low in terms of perceived bitterness. And it is recommended to serve Kolsch's in a flute. Or if it's an authentic Kolsch, it should technically be a stange or a stick glass. Are you familiar with this, Mr. Bartender? I think I know what it is. A stick glass looks like the my uh, nanny's glass. Just straight up and down cylindrical. But the the traditional one only holds 6.5 ounces. So that means a probably a pretty high refill count. Um, Oh, so it looks like a little test tube then. Because I'm looking at the pictures on Google Images and it looks like it's super tall, but it might not be. Okay. The the other thing. Okay. So I didn't add this in my notes, but in Germany, they found that the most efficient way to bring Kolsch's to everyone is this little contraption that like there's a handle and then a stick that goes down and a tray on the bottom and the tray holds, there's like a mold for each stick glass to go into. And that's like what the server carries to the table is just that like tray. That's that's weird, but pretty dope. Yeah. Well, if they're only going to be six ounces, you're going to need a bunch of them. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's not even a can, it's half a can. (laughs) It's a mouthful. So it should be served between 40 and 45 degrees and it again, it pairs well with foods uh, recommended are bratwurst, 
nutty cheese, or a light apricot cake. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to this. I'm thirsty. Do 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 cracking it open. <laughs> do 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 do. Do 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 do. we have a new theme song? Maybe. Maybe I just need to put lyrics. <laughs> Ready? I cut my nails. This is going to be difficult. Uh-oh. Yes. All right, I got it. Hmm. It smells sweet right out of the can. Yeah. So I have found our closest equivalent to a stange. In yes. fact, this might actually be a stange, just a fat stange. Yeah. This is a thin-ish, not tall, it's short because it's only six ounces. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a six ounce glass. That I actually got from Two Roads. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> yeah. We just bought this glass, didn't we? We were like, oh, this yeah, is a cool glass. Well, it's like, one of their standard li- yeah. little tasting, yeah. This isn't their tasting glasses because it's a little taller than their tasting glasses, mm. but smaller than their regular glasses. So they might, this might that's be like made their for their flight glass. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's oh, too big for a flight. This is bigger than the flight glass. Yeah. yeah. This is just a glass. This is what this was always for, and we never knew. Oh, man. <laughs> So it's going to take me many pours of this can to get through the through it. But That's true. It does make me feel, you know, I I think I've seen movies and stuff where they're drinking the beer out of these tiny glasses and I've always wondered. So, I while you were getting the beer for us, this is what that tray I was talking about looks like. You know, that's what I pictured in my head, so I must have seen this. I must have seen this before. Yeah. And that's freaking awesome and I need to get one. Well, the whole set of the the tray and glasses is about one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> well, then you know, if anyone for, for would our like future to, bar, if anyone would like to gift me, this, then, uh, or if we go to Germany, Cologne, Germany, oh yes, yeah, and we can that. buy an authentic. No one. No one has to get me it. Well, I'm gonna get the authentic one. Yeah, because <laughs> this looks awesome. This label I recognize from when I was doing my research. That's a legit Kolsch from Cologne. Nice, for sure. They'll be good uh-huh. at parties too, because you just get cold. Right. A summertime party when it's hot out and everybody just wants like a cold beer. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, one more thing. Um <laughs> apparently in Cologne, and I know I'm probably saying it wrong. Cologne is like the Americanized version of it. It's actually K-O-L-N. Mm-hmm. Kolsch is kind of like an interchangeable term with beer. Like if you ask for a beer, they're gonna give you a Kolsch. But only in Cologne. As far as I saw in my, I say, in, other, my in my beer in, search, yes. And all the rest, there's so many types of German beers. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It's like, I don't know, going to get a Kleenex and it's a tissue. Yeah, tissue exactly. Kleenex. Yeah. yeah, the generic name. <laughs> For those of you who don't know the what we were talking about with the holders and the, the glasses and the holder, the best way to describe it is, remember in Jurassic Park when Nedry takes the top off the... Uh, <laughs> Off the shaving cream can, he's got all the vials. It looks like the shaving cream can without the top cover on it yep. and a handle on top. <laughs> you Which would is make that. Why I love it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly why I would make that comparison. So it is, it's actually a little bit more yellow than I expected, but it is that straw like yeah. color. It looks mm-hmm. like the color of like grain or yeast or look at that carbonation. Wheat, I mean, rather, there's not a, there's not a big head and it doesn't leave a lot of lacing, but that carbonation, it looks so. Refreshing. Yeah, it's a light and refreshing style. There's not a lot of, there's just the little bubbles kind of coming to the top, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. You were right that it does have a very fruity smell. Mm-hmm. Like this very sweet, almost wine-like, white wine-like smell on the top. Yeah. As opposed to like being super beery, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. It doesn't smell super yeasty. Definitely not hoppy or piney or, oh, you're already. Dana. Oh, I didn't win right. cheers. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Ooh, that is super crisp and drinkable though. It does not taste like a Kolsch that I'm used to. Not the last few Kolsches we had this summer. No, that's true. It it tastes a little different than cold one, which is the one that we reviewed uh, midsummer. And that was from, no, that was from Mill House in New York, not Massachusetts. And we've had a few off air. We've had, we had quite a few cultures this year, different cultures. I can't remember where from though. Uh, I believe one was Tribus. Oh, yep. And then there were like two or three others from a bunch of different places. Hmm. But yeah, we kind of went on a Kolsch journey. Kolsch yeah. style. It's like a Kulsh style journey. But yeah, you're right. This is a little different than this is a little sweeter, and the other ones were a little more crisp. This is very sweet. And I wonder if that has something to do with them using the the American varietal of the hop, the noble hop. I don't know. It'd be interesting, but we've never had anything with that hop before. Mm -hmm. So I could not make a comparison. It is very, and I mean, maybe this is in my brain because you talked about him having worked in the wine industry, or maybe it's because you and I had a glass of white wine before we started this, mm -hmm. but I really get a lot of white wine notes with this, like a lot of white wine notes. Hmm. Yeah. See, now I don't know whether it's you putting the thought in my head or if I agree. It's just kind of grapey in some way. I mean, that that would go along with the the muted fruitiness that they were talking about. Yeah. I don't think it's muted. I think it's like really upfront. I think that fruitiness is is there. I I don't know. I feel like maybe. All right. Let's take a step back from Devil's Purse. Their description was bright lemon and cut grass. Do you get that at all? Or did we mess up by having white wine before this? It wasn't like directly before this. No, that's true. I don't get the lemon, but I think I can get the grass. Mm. Just that like herbal character. In the very back end of, of it, mm -hmm. I do maybe get a little bit of that grass. I might be, the lemon might be what I'm mistaking for grape. Maybe. And maybe I'm thinking it's more grapey because it's more bitter than I thought it would be. Like I find this slightly bitter. Like, I, I don't think this is as crisp as maybe you think it is. Like, it's, it's not a bad beer, but I don't think of this as a much, much of a Kolsch. If you gave this to me and said it's a Kolsch, I would probably say, uh, if you say so. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that was my first thought as well. This isn't like the Kolsch that we had. It really reminds me a lot of like a Sauvignon Before. Blanc kind of beer. Almost like the the one from Tribus with the Nelson Sauvin. Right. Like that, it's a beer that has grape in it. It's a beer wineish kind of combo beer. Yeah, the carbonation is maybe similar to a Kolsch, but it's so much sweeter than a Kolsch. It's so much. It's got a little bit more bitterness to it. It's mm -hmm. it's not as clean as a Kolsch. It, it's really got a whole lot of stuff going on in this. I wonder if it's because this is unfiltered. If that would affect it. If if other Kolsches are filtered. Oh. <laughs> Hold on, I have to refill my tiny glass. Your tiny, <laughs> tiny glass. I will say, I really do like the head on it. Mm -hmm. I really do like the amount of carbonation you get when you pour it in. You see, going back on the second glass, A, it's a little cold. I, I like that by drinking it in a small amount and keeping it in the can, I think you keep it colder for a little longer, maybe. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then to um, keep it as like cold as possible. And I wonder if that's why the other Kolsch that we featured was called Cold One, because it really is supposed to be served cold. Well, yeah, we'll get into the can. Gives you quite clear instructions. Yeah. Um, and you said between 40 and 45. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Kolsch's are probably the beer that's meant to be the coldest that we've featured on the podcast so far. Huh. Yeah. 
or at least of the beers that have been <laughs> that have specified what sem- what temperature to be served at. Right. I mean, there might also be some pilsners and lagers that are meant to be served this cold. I'm not positive. Going into this, you tell me we're going to have a Kolsch. Mm-hmm. I was pretty excited to have a Kolsch because it's been a little while. Yeah. But this isn't First what you taste, were expecting. I wasn't that into it. Drinking the second glass, knowing what I'm drinking, pouring the second glass in, give it a minute. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's 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 maybe not what I want in a Kolsch mm-hmm. or a Kolsch style, excuse me. But as a Sauvignon Blanc beer, mm-hmm. it's not bad. As a as a sweet as a sweet beer almost. Yeah. Cause you usually only get sweet beers if it's a sour. This is not sour, but it is sweet. Not like sickeningly so, but no, like definitely it's definitely not. unusual. Yeah. I don't know. What are you thinking? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's not the Kolsch that I was expecting, but I do think it is extremely drinkable. It's I don't know. I was I was kind of hoping for a little bit more flavor than just like sweetness. Well, I feel like the sweetness is so. the sweetness is overpowering what you would you would hope to get like that wheat kind of taste to it. You're getting a lot more of that grapey sweetness. I don't know. It's just I like it, but it's not what I was expecting. So well, that's in, what I'm saying. In, yeah. in that respect, I'm a little a little disappointed, but I will absolutely drink the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and I still I, I'm very interested to eventually find out how this compares to a legitimate Kolsch. Right. That's the other thing is we're having Kolsch's from, you know, New England breweries, <laughs> New England breweries, you know, maybe. You know, Midwest or California. Either way, it doesn't matter where we have them from. They're all American breweries that aren't yeah. actually Kolsch style. Like unless some some guy has a super German name and he came over as an immigrant. Yeah, then he's gonna want to put his own spin on well, it. I'm saying I don't. I'm not necessarily gonna trust that the brewer is yeah legit. Yeah. If you tell me that you've got a guy named Hans working your brewery, he's <laughs> lived in Germany all his life. He's only been over here for two years. All right, Hans, you're legit. Make me a Kolsch. <laughs> if your name is Bob. And you just kind of went to Germany for a week and came back and went, I'm going to make my own Kolsch. It's going to be, it's going to be legit. <laughs> then, you know, I'm not saying we're not getting the, because I, I lo- I've loved the other cultures we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even from somebody named Bob. I don't know. <laughs> but we don't know exactly what we're getting. Yeah. But I could be like, oh, that's a, that's a Kolsch. Because two of those Americanized Kolsches I had tasted the same. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean we're right. This could be closer to Kolsch. Yeah. Do you feel like a giant slinging back these mini glasses? I do. Have you ever seen the pictures of Andre the Giant holding beer cans? No. Oh, that's what I feel like right now. Because <laughs> it's like the exact proportion of Andre <laughs> the Giant's holding a can. So I've poured two glasses. Two. This is my third. So yeah, that checks. Three glasses of it. All right. In these little cans. Speaking of can, would you like to talk mm-hmm. about the can? Absolutely. So this can is all white. It's very minimalist, but it's very nice. The symbol is right up front and center in like a cop badge. Devil's Purse Brewing Co. South Dennis, Massachusetts. Or South Denis, if it's French. Uh, Established 2013. And inside of that badge on the top is a Devil's Purse. And it's quite a nice logo. And I really like the way they've incorporated the Devil's Purse into it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really, really dig it. That's why it caught my eye. I'm surprised you dig it as much, not knowing what a devil's purse is. Well, it's a very striking can. It is. It is a very striking can. But I'm surprised you didn't go, oh, devil's purse. And there it is up top. I get it. Like, that's why I would have picked it out. Oh, 
but no, it is really nice on the bottom in very nice hand, like a uh, very nice font, hand-lined Kolsch, Kolsch style ale. I mean, this is definitely, you can tell this is from uh, Cape Cod. This is like very hoity-toity, I guess the can. Isn't really hoity toity. Martha's Vineyard. I thought Martha's Vineyard is just part of Cape Cod. No, it's a, it's its own little set of islands. Oh, yeah, mm. whatever. I said what I said. <laughs> I'll cut that out. This can <laughs> looks like money, yo. Then <laughs> <laughs> on the side, you get about us with the little devil's purse on top. Devil's Purse Brewing Company is located on Cape Cod in South Dennis or South Denny. I really want to say it's South Denny, but that could just be a part of. New Orleans that I'm thinking of. We specialize in a wide range of European inspired ales. In addition to our core styles, we brew limited specialty beers available for sale at the brewery. Visit us year round for beer tastings and retail sales. Our brewery is located at 120 Great Western Road, South Denny, Massachusetts 02660. For more information, go to devilspurse.com. You know, not a lot of breweries put their address there. That's true. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. They have all their information on there, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, including the fact that, you know, some of their beers are only available at the brewery. Yeah. Not every brewery does that either. The Surgeon I mean, General one is big on the can, too. fairly assumed. Oh, yeah, it, it is. But I just like that they mentioned that. Mm. It's almost like, hey, you like this? Come to the brewery. We got more. It's true. The government warning is very large on the other side of the can. And on the bottom, it says in bold writing, keep this can cold. <laughs> uh, this is, I think, the second can that has informed you to make sure you keep a can cold that we've mm-hmm. done on the show. Uh, so they're really telling you Kolsch's need to be cold. Yeah. That's their thing. Brewed and packaged by Devil's Burst Brewing under a special arrangement at Pawtucket, Rhode Island. So this is actually not brewed at their brewery right now. Interesting. I wonder if they put too much out. They didn't mention anything about that. Devil's Purse Duck. I wonder how big their brewery is or how small they are. Yeah. I mean, you said these are islands, right? Uh, Cape Cod? No. Cape Cod is, is the whole just location. Area. Yeah. Martha's Vineyard is an island. Okay. So... I don't know. Maybe they just don't have because we didn't know how big they're, how many BBLs they got. No, they also didn't really go into detail about that. But it's interesting. I do really want to try their oyster stout now that we read. Um, I think that's <laughs> in the back of my mind. Like I could really go for an oyster stout. I really want to try it. I mean, I like oysters. I'm, I'm surprised. Well, I like stout. Maybe they don't. Maybe they. Maybe it is a brewery only item. But I'm surprised that it's not something that would be distributed throughout the shoreline. At least like Massachusetts, maybe Connecticut and New York. I don't know. I don't know. I I really hope a lot of these COVID booze laws st- stick, especially oh, in Connecticut. Can, like, ship stuff and yeah. I really want to like, yeah, I want to ship beer that is so special, like interesting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially since we're a beer podcast that's just starting out. So we don't have money to go all over the country. Yeah, and when when we go to the liquor store every week, there's only so many new things. Exactly. You know, being able to get it directly from these independent businesses, it's still supporting small business, I think. Yeah. Let us order it. Which you can in some places, and, you know, some breweries just don't have the ability to do that, but it'd be cool if they would, because like that oyster stout, I really want to try it. Yeah. And I really want to feature it on the podcast. <laughs> Regardless of my reaction, as long as it's an extreme reaction... Other people are going to be interested. In. Yeah, and it's something to talk about. It's something ex- extremely unique, as, as far as I know. Like the French's mustard beer. Ugh. I wanted to buy it and try it on the podcast or do a video at least and post it on our social medias. Yeah. I don't think it was going to be good, but it'd be something to talk about. Uh, but I just want to say, mm-hmm. 
I know we were kind of done with our taste notes. We went to the can. Coming back to this beer. Yes. Be honest. Much like my geyser goes. It's growing on you. I did not like this when I first took the sip. I was trying to be nice, but I was like, that's not really the Kolsch. It's not what I expected. Yeah. The second glass was a lot better. This third glass, now that I know what I'm drinking, it's a really good grapey kind of beer. Like I, I, I like this a lot. I agree. Like, like you said, it's it's not what I was expecting. So it's almost like I was given a Dr. Coke when I ordered a Coke. Or a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Dr. Coke. <laughs> it's, almost, it's, almost, <laughs> it's almost like I got a Dr. Pepper when I ordered a Coke. But that being said, this is, it's freaking tasty. It is. There's, what I love about the Kolsch is how straightforward it is. How crisp and refreshing and just like, oof, that's good. And it should be cold AF mm-hmm. and light. And I shouldn't get a lot of notes. It should just be like, ooh, here's some... Here's some wheat. Refreshing. Here's some refreshing wheat, yeah. wheat juice. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not, this is, hey, here's some subtle, here's some sweetness. Here's some kind of grapey lemon kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. we're going to end with like an herbal note. That's not a kolsch in my brain. So my brain was instantly like, no. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've had the Sauvignon Blancos, mm-hmm. which sadly I think is not being made anymore. No, uh, from I think two that roads. was a one off. But that was quite good. Mm-hmm. We had this Tribus beer, which I think was a collab. Mm, no, but it's also already gone. And I'm disappointed because I totally would have gotten like at least another one or two four packs. Yeah. That's excellent. I'm- <laughs> that's really good. But that's super high on the, the grapiness of it. Yes. Well, it's, this it's, is- that one is brewed with the, like I said, the Nelson Salvin hops. And that it is inspired by a Sauvignon Blanc grape taste. Right. This is well... And like you said, it could be because of these new hops or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that vibe. And I know that's maybe not what they were going for, mm-hmm. but it's what I get. And yeah. I, I really like it. It really is this kind of sweet wine, fancy. Like this is a fancy beer. <laughs> it might not want to be a fancy beer. Although the all white can. Come on. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a beer that is acceptable to have at a dinner when you're you're with a whole bunch of rich white people. In fancy clothes, and oh, they're yeah. all drinking wine. And Absolutely. You'll be like, no, I'm going to have the hardline. Oh, you have the handline Kolsch? I'll have that. Yeah. And no one will poo poo you. They'll be like, you're going to drink beer. And they're like, hold on. Can you, uh, can you, I will buy him a glass. Mm. And they'll taste it be like, oh, my dear man, <laughs> this is quite good because it's got wine notes and it tastes fancier than maybe you it might does. expect. Yeah. And I feel like that's not a bad, that's not at all an insult to it. Either. No, 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 no. I, I just wanted to insult rich white people for making beer like something you can't have at dinner when it's only wine. I actually wonder if your dad might like this. He's such a picky dude. I know. <laughs> I mean, but he I might. Feel, he kind I feel of, like this toes the line enough between. He really does gravitate like toward the German beers. Yeah. The from, Hell's Lagers. From two roads and the Peroni that he liked the last time we, we all went out for dinner. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like this kind of toes the line that it might fall into that like very small grid of what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the German beers and mm-hmm. some of the Italian stuff. Yeah. But I, I don't know. This might be a little too sweet for him. Maybe. But I don't know. Or maybe. I mean, I, I definitely like this. Summer beer, winter beer, fall beer, spring summer. beer all around. You think this is summer? Yeah. I don't know. Not that I'm not enjoying it now, considering that it's, you know, 
30 something degrees outside, but it's probably like 20 I, degrees right now. <laughs> it's dropping. I think I would most enjoy it when the temperature is hot outside. I don't know if I would. Really? I too think sweet? this is too sweet to enjoy when it's super hot outside. So spring or fall. I think this is a perfect beer. Maybe not for right now in the wintertime. Inside, obviously, you can have it whenever we're yeah. drinking now, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't necessarily think like it's not like made for summer. So I can drink it now inside, but I think this is a great winter into spring beer. Like that spring period where it's like, can it pick a season? <laughs> like I get that we're raining instead of snowing right now, but yeah. it stills freaking cold. <laughs> and that's what this kind of, that, that would be the perfect, this is the perfect beer for that time. All right. I could see that. Which there aren't that many beers that fit in that slim window of March 10th to April 15th, mm. uh, at least in Connecticut. That's kind of like that season right there. Yeah. Like wing <laughs> or sprinter, but sprinter. I like that. <laughs> I think this beer falls perfectly within that kind this of. This is a sprinter beer. It's a sprinter beer for sure. That's all I got. It's a, it's a Kolsch that ended up really growing on us, <laughs> growing on me as I went with my tiny glass. Yep. Also, the tiny glass format's really growing on me, too. I kind of <laughs> like doing this with the tiny glass. Uh, it started out kind of defying our expectations, which I don't think... I think anybody who drinks or eats anything does not like when things defy your expectations. Yeah. I think if you have an expectation for something when you're eating or drinking... It's off-putting at first. It's off-putting at first. But I think that is also partly the job of a brewer or a winemaker or a chef is to break those expectations and, and introduce you to new tastes and sensations that you wouldn't have had before. And I think Devil's Purse does that. Now, the question is, is this on purpose or not? Because if it's on purpose, they did a great job. Yeah. If it's by accident, they messed up and I just happened to like it. And I don't know where it falls. <laughs> I'm guessing based on their so experience and how long it took them to open that they, this is on purpose. Like, yeah, I want to yeah, make hopefully. a culture that's completely different. Like I'm trying to imagine sitting at the tap room ordering this and wondering if, you know, if they have the type of uh, people at the breweries like we have who who serve the beers, you know, the beer tenders would be like, yo, before you get this call, just know it's really good. It, it might not be what you expect, but go ahead. Let me let yeah. me give you a sip. Like, taste that. What do you think? And it's like, oh, that's different. But if because if they warned me beforehand, I'd be like, oh, OK, yeah. Yeah. But without that warning, it's like, oh, well, it's not what I wanted. Like you said, the perfect analogy at that mm -hmm. time. Dr. Pepper instead of the Coke and really not forgetting you ordered the wrong thing. Yeah. But I do think this is also a good way to trick people into trying something just adjacent to what they're used to. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like it. And I would like to try more stuff from Devil's Purse, including Devil's Purse. If you're listening, send me <laughs> that oyster stout. That oyster stout. Intertidal. Listen, it's not too far off from Christmas. I, I, if you still got some at the brewery, I'm still here. I'm still around. It's still cold. I'll, I'll do it. I'll feature it on the episode. Just give me some. I need to try it. It's true. We totally would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need some of that salty, stouty goodness <laughs> or terribleness. I just need to know. I need to know. And I wonder if that's why they made it was just like, you know what? Everyone's going to want to try this just because it's so freaking weird. I don't know, because they talk about the salinity of the shell with and how such the cal yeah. Speci yeah. specificity. They. They knew this Someone was going to- Someone knows their science. They knew this was going to freaking work, so they did it on purpose. Yeah. And now I must know. I had kelp in a beer, and that was freaking amazing. Once upon a time. Now I need oysters in a beer. Mm. I'm going to keep moving up. Yeah, we put a whole sturgeon in this lager. Oh. 
<laughs> on that note, thanks guys for tuning into this week's episode. <laughs> and if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackinwhenopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at open, or shoot us an email at open at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we want to hear from you. Especially if you have stout with oysters. (laughs) 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 What other plugs you got? Alrighty then, I've got two other podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with audiences in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, fun facts about its production, but we always also recommend you revisit it because you never know you might find your own forgotten gem. I've also got Two Player Bros, a podcast I do with my buddy Dave, where we're two guys who play way too many video games, join me and my buddy Dave, sometimes my brother Alex, as we talk about all things video games, PC, VR, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X, not PlayStation 5 because it's impossible to find. And we'll do previews, reviews, and news on all those systems. And every other week, join us for a post game presented by Two Player Bros, where we do a deep dive on your favorite modern classic or new release. Both those podcasts can be found at ForgottenEntertainment.com or their respective website, TwoPlayerBros.com or ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. I've also got audiobooks on audible.com. My newest one, Progressive Entrapment, just released. If you like messed up stuff, that's the book for you. It's a book that goes from a sweet, sweet tales to the most messed up stuff. It's literally a progressive step of grossness uh, from sweet to absolutely terrifying and gross. So it really challenges your perception of what's acceptable, what's gross. If you can handle that, check that out. I've got more normal horror stories as well, books that I do uh, under Brandon Ford that I've worked with or Sour, which is another horror story uh, where. It's like Evil Dead meets Southern fairy tales. And I've got Switch Art Fraud and Gangsters. If you're up for a more uh, British crime thriller where I'm doing a British accent, baby. That's right. Check those out on audible.com. I don't get paid unless you buy these books. So please help me buy these books. And uh, yeah, that's the plugs I got. All right. (laughs) And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. (gasps) Cheers! Cheers. My glass is so tiny. Oh, it's so tiny.